Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about branding and marketing and scaling your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we are kicking off a series on how bookkeeping is an essential part of growing your private practice. Your money is telling you a story about your business, and you need to know what that story is. Is it a tragedy? Is it a comedy? Or is it a heroic tale? And to help me do that is Nate Hendricks. He's the founder and owner of Navigator Bookkeeping. He is a QuickBooks bookkeeping wizard, and he helps businesses maximize their profits. Welcome to the show, Nate. Thanks for having me, Brent. I'm glad to be here. Well, thanks for uh, being on the show. And why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and um, how you got into bookkeeping? Sure. Yeah. I, I appreciate being called a bookkeeping wizard. It makes me feel like I'm in Harry Potter. So that was exciting <laughs> for me. So thanks. I'm going to have to get a, a wand or something. But anyways, yeah, I got into bookkeeping after a short career in teaching, actually. So I was an elementary school teacher for four years. Pretty quickly into that journey of teaching, I realized there's not something I wanted to do long term. Was not super passionate about it. There's obviously great, great parts about it as well. But quickly realized not something I wanted to do for yeah 40 or 50 years. So started thinking about what I did want to do. And personal finance has always been a big passion of mine. So I kind of started thinking about, hey, how can I turn this into a job, potentially turn this into a business, would love the flexibility of that. And through a lot of things kind of happened upon bookkeeping, which in a lot of ways, I like to think of it as personal finance for business owners, kind of like what you said, helping them tell the story of their businesses, uh, finances through through the data, through the numbers, all that good stuff. So uh, year three, year four of my teaching, I, you know, started preparing to become uh, a bookkeeper to start a business. And then once my fourth year finished, I, I started the company and have been going since then working with small business owners. And it's been really fun to do. So been quite the transition working from, you know, working with eight-year-olds to working with adults who are business owners, but it's been a bit pretty positive change in my view. So well, maybe sometimes we act like eight-year-olds when it comes to finances. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I'll, 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 say, <laughs> I'll save how we the story about how we got connected for uh, the next episode. Uh, but for now, uh, we're going to talk about why uh, private practices, why they need a bookkeeper. Uh, but on today's podcast, we're going to talk about something that most solo and small private practice owners don't do until very late into the game which is incorporating their business. Now, incorporating your business is, in my opinion, is like ground zero in creating a sustainable and profitable business. I mean, we're going to talk about tax advantages and also legal protections that incorporating will, will offer. So today we're going to talk about three reasons why you need to incorporate your private practice. And uh, let's go ahead and jump in, Nate. So take it away. Sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off by saying, you know, what I'm going to talk about is is just what I've worked with business owners on. It's not legal advice or anything like that. I'm not an attorney. So if you're a business owner kind of going through this process, it's always good to consult with an attorney or at least go online and do some research. There's a lot of really great resources you can find. So this hopefully is just kind of a primer to give you some ideas and then you can do some more research. But please don't take my word as law. I've, I'm not studied in law. This is just what I've found makes sense for myself and for other business owners as well. But yeah, you hit it on the head there, Brent. You know, incorporating is something that a lot of business owners push off and, and don't feel like they need to do until they're, you know, maybe larger, until they've grown to a certain point. But it's something that really should be one of the first steps, if not the first step, when you're starting a business. Um, I mean, you can't get official bank accounts, business bank accounts without 
incorporating in some way with a lot of banks. So it's really that step that kind of makes you a legitimate business entity, um, both with the state and with other business owners, other institutions. But why do it, I guess, is the question, right? And there's a lot of reasons. We're going to hit on three main ones. Um, the first one I'd say is legal protection. That's kind of what you're getting when you're incorporating is um, you're pretty much separating yourself personally from what's happening in the business. So um, if you're not incorporating, you're just what's called a sole provider, pretty much just a person doing a job, doing what they're skilled in. And that's great. You know, when you're starting off um, selling gadgets as a, as a side hobby, that's fine to do. But once your business starts to become a full-time business, or at least a pretty solid part-time business, you want to separate your personal from your business. Because what's going to happen is if someone sues you, whether it's on the personal side or on the business side, it's not going to pass over to the other side. So if someone sues me personally because they slipped on my sidewalk outside my house, that can't touch my business because we're separated because there's an LLC, which is a, a limited liability uh, company. So that's separate from my personal assets and everything. So they can't touch that. On the flip side, if someone sues me because I'm a bad bookkeeper, they can't touch my house or my wife's uh, salary or anything like that. You know, th there's a wall there. Basically, what what attorneys call it is uh, a veil. They say you can't pierce the veil between the business and the personal side. So that's the most basic, helpful piece of incorporating is you're basically separating the two so that bad things can't pass between the two. So that if a bad thing happens on one side, it's not going to go the other one. So that's the most basic piece and helpful piece. Now, I would, yeah, I could say this is important for private practice owners. I mean, you have like malpractice with doctors and things like that, but what's important is, um, especially if you're dealing with suicide cases, <laughs> right? Hmm. So there's, there's a lot of risk there. Um, and so you want to mitigate some of that risk just by incorporating your business. Now there's other ways you can do that as well with good paperwork <laughs> and things like that, informed consent. But um, again, you really want to incorporate so you have that extra layer of protection. So they can't go after your house, and personal possessions and things like that. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a great clarification. So that's kind of the first thing to think about is, all right, I should do this. Um, but then you get into, the, well, what does this mean and what are my options? And the great answer is there are so many options when you're getting into what type of entity should I actually form? Um, like, like I said before, you'll start off just as a sole proprietor. That's just kind of what you're seen as by the government if you're not incorporated. But the most kind of basic unit is the LLC. Um, that's like the building block. And basically, that's just the most simple all right, we have a real company here. We have legal protection. It's called limited liability because you have limited liability from the company. Only some of it can pass through to you, not all of it. Um, so that's the most basic unit. Now, you may have heard terms like an S corporation, a C corporation, um, partnership, all those, a PC, professional uh, corporation. Uh, those are all kind of subsets of an LLC in a lot of ways. The LLC is kind of the first thing you're probably going to form. So once you're an LLC, you have that basic liability protection then you can actually start thinking about, all right, how am I actually going to get taxed on this? And that's where some of these other pieces come through. When you're just an LLC, um, you're actually not going to be taxed in the best way uh, as a business owner, because what's going to happen is that you're actually going to get what's called self-employment tax. So I'm going to pay taxes as if I'm the employee and the employer on any uh, profit that comes to me, because you're not kind of paying all those government ta uh, taxes to any employer, right? You are your own employers. So you're paying both sides. That's not super efficient if you're making a good amount of profit. When you're starting out, that's fine, right? When your business is kind of small, you're growing, 
I've heard tax preparers say, you know, maybe profit up to like 100000 a year. You can still be kind of considering an LLC just being taxed as a sole proprietorship is fine. You're going to pay that double tax, but it's not a big deal. Once you start getting over maybe that $100,000 mark, and once again, talk to a CPA, talk to an attorney who can maybe give you a better benchmark. That's just kind of a general area. But once you get above that, you want to start thinking about some other possibilities because otherwise you're going to start paying a lot in taxes on the profits that your business is making. So then we get into some of these other options. Um, and, and one that I definitely want to talk about is an S corporation or S corp. And that's actually not a different business entity, just how you're viewed by the IRS. So just like a tax difference in, in your tax status, basically. And what that's going to do is instead of paying that double tax on everything, like I talked about both the employer and the employee side, you're now going to be seen as an employee of the business. So you're just going to pay yourself normal wages uh, through the business. So you're just going to pay the employee and the employer side on those wages. But then what you can actually do is you can take other distributions of your profits on top of that, which are not going to be taxed um, in that way. So there's a lot to get into there, but it's basically going to make it so that um, you're going to get taxed a lot less. And then we can get into some other tax structures as well. But you know that we could get really specific with that. But just know that um, when you're starting off, start off as an LLC. That's a great place to start. Once you start getting a little larger, bringing in some good amounts of profit, then you may want to start thinking about an S corp, some other things like that. Um, and there's other options like a C corp, but usually you're not going to worry about that unless you're really trying to become Apple yeah. or <laughs> become a franchise or uh, sell some stocks publicly traded, things like that. So it it can be simple. It can be complicated. There's a lot of options there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, going back to why this is also important. So a lot of therapists are going to uh, be contractors. And so they'll be paid as a contractor. And, and if you incorporate, then you can create yourself a business as a contractor, and then they can pay that business. And we'll eventually get into some of the tax efficiencies or how you can then, you know, expense things to that business. Um, but, uh, what I've done is I've helped a lot of therapists just set up an S corp because I, they'll just go because they don't, they're not going to have multiple partners <laughs> in their business and those types of things. And depending on what state you live in, some States will, will require you as a private practice to be a professional corporation. You can have that designation where you have to have that because this is what I've found out is that, um, especially because my wife opened a private practice is that as a professional corporation, as, as a non-licensed practitioner or a licensed uh, profession, they can't be owners of that business. So for example, uh, a therapist, from what I understand, a therapist cannot be owner of a law firm because a lawyer is a professional licensed professional. Same thing with architects. I myself is not, a, I'm not a licensed architect. And so I, I cannot be a part of a, uh, have shares in a business that is a licensed profession because I'm not a professional architect. So there's these kind of, from what I understand, there's these kind of interesting um, limitations, uh, but there's something to be aware of. Most of the time, uh, I, I I would help set up somebody. When I say help set up, I'm like, here's a website that I've, you can incorporate <laughs> yourself. Uh, I'll leave some links in the low, but I know like um, we, I use Swift files and it's just, super easy. I did it for my own business for Ranger practice and uh, they make it really easy. They do all the work and, you know, they tried to make it as easy as possible. Side note, which is great about living in America is they're very, they're very small business friendly for the most part. And they want people to open up businesses. So to actually make it easy to open up a business, um, it's just easy to do here in the States. 
And so, one thing to mention on on PCs, like you mentioned, Brent, is that's actually a pretty cool type of entity because what's what's happening in a PC is you're actually not liable for the other um, licensed practitioners in your practice. So like you said, if I uh, am a doctor and I there's other doctors in my practice, I'm liable for my own mistakes, but I'm not liable for my co-owner's mistakes. So it's helpful in a lot of really professional licensed kind of organizations like that, where you have people of all one specific industry. Like you said, you can't mix CPAs and architects together. It needs to be all one type, but that liability can't be transferred between uh, practitioners, which is a pretty cool benefit of, of creating one of those. Yeah. And we should probably have another disclaimer in here somewhere where we're not tax professionals. <laughs> so talk to, talk to your accountant. These are, these are some of the just kind of things that I've learned along the way in, in helping therapists and you know, helping start several private practices. So, um, anything else you want to add to that, to that, uh, section of our talk? Well, I think if we're talking about kind of why to incorporate in general, one other big piece, and I think you touched on it is, is the tax benefit. Like you said, the United States is really small business friendly in a lot of ways. And the IRS has put into affect a lot of deductions that business owners can take legally. Um, that's going to basically help them tax wise and also help their business. So there's obviously like all things, ways you can do this legally and not so legally. And there's people who do this well and not so well, but obviously we want you to do it legally, but there's also a lot of ways you can write off a lot of really applicable expenses. Um, I mean, one of the, the coolest ones is, I mean, if you're using, and this is pretty basic, but if you're using a, your car for your business, you know, a good majority of the time, you can write that off in certain ways. You can write off the mileage or you can write off the cost of the car and the business can actually pay for it. So there's a lot of expenses that can happen where, you know, it's mainly used for the business, but it's maybe slightly personal as well. And if you work with a CPA who knows the guidelines and is doing that legally, you can get a lot of benefits for the business that are also going to benefit you personally as well. I mean, we can get into, you know, even retirement contributions. When you're a business owner, your contribution limit is a lot higher for a lot of things when you're trying to contribute to things like IRAs and, and Roths or 401ks, things like that. So incorporating is just obviously legally very beneficial just to protect you and protect your family and protect your assets personally and for the business. But when we start talking about deductions, that's a whole piece you could talk hours about because there's so many you could potentially take to kind of lower what you're going to pay tax wise and um, try to avoid some of the really high tax rates that you might face. Otherwise, if you're just getting you know a really high salary from a company as an employee, you can avoid a lot of those as a business owner while also doing some good both for your family and for others too, potentially. So. Yeah, I, I mean, think of it as if you're a, if you're a, a healthcare provider, you have continuing education that you constantly have to do. You can write that off. You can pay for it through your business, so you're not paying taxes on that money. Um, I mean, there's other things. I mean, if you're a play therapist, you're gonna have tons of toys and uh, that you're gonna be you're gonna be using. You can use it for furniture. I mean, just th you could just start. Uh, checking off all those things that you have to buy on a regular basis. Uh, you're literally a business. You become a business. That's what we're talking about. So you can actually then have those deductions. And then you get, like Nate was saying, the retirement. We're just now exploring the solo 401k and really lowering our tax burden, <laughs> but actually saving for retirement. And um, it's amazing. It really is. And it's really important. That's why I think we talk about it kind of being this is the ground level of having a sustainable and profitable business when it comes to finances and your money. So um, yeah, anything else on that? 
Well, I think just one piece when you're kind of thinking about deductions is obviously I'm a bookkeeper coming on here. So I'm going to say you have to keep good records when you're talking about deductions and pieces like that. Because if you're not, you're potentially going to be in a space where the IRS could come in and say, how do you, how do we know this actually happened? How do we know that you actually use this for a business expense? So it's just really important to to keep documents, whether they're receipts or invoices, and to keep records of what's actually happening financially in your business. And I know we'll get into that in uh, the future episodes a little bit too, but just whatever you're doing in the business, whenever it comes to finances, it's just so important to document and to keep records and even to have a couple versions of something if it's a big purchase. Hmm. Um, for example, I work on a computer all day. I'm getting a whole new computer setup, which is a great business deduction and is also really fun to do, right? Kind of one of those benefits of being a business owner. But I'm keeping multiple invoices from that because I don't think I'll get audited, right? You know, It's pretty unlikely. But if I ever were, I want to have everything ready for the IRS to say to them, hey, here you go. Here's everything. It's for the business. Here's who I bought it from. Here's the exact amount. And by the way, you can look in QuickBooks and see everything as well. So it's just really important to keep records there. Um, I'm probably you know, obviously going to over-document a little bit just because that's what I do. But as a business owner, it's important to keep keep those supporting documents if you ever were to get into a situation like that. That's right. That's right. So important. <laughs> okay. Before we wrap up today's episode, I want to remind the listener about a free resource you can take advantage of today. Look, most mental health professionals, they open a private practice to help more people and to make more money. The problem is they lack a clear plan to sustainably grow their business and to create a profitable marketing strategy. And you really need both. And that's why I created the Private Practice Marketing Roadmap. It's a free video training series that I'll walk you through my three pillars of private practice marketing. If you need fresh ideas about marketing yourself as a clinician or your private practice, or you just need a marketing plan, go to brandyourpractice.com slash roadmap. It's completely free and it will help you generate a pipeline of new clients. So just go to brandyourpractice.com slash roadmap and get started today. Well, thanks, Nate. How can people uh, get in touch with you or find out more about you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Brent. Uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Nate Hendricks. You can search me there. Facebook, Navigator Bookkeeping is our Facebook page. Then you can go to our website as well, navigatingyourbooks.com. So any of those meth- methods would be great. Uh, would love to connect. We're pretty active on social media, so you can find us there pretty easily. All right, great. Well, thanks for joining me today, Nate. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, it's the first part of a series on bookkeeping, bookkeeping for your private practice. And if you found this conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me again for the next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast. Thanks.